I'm so excited to have Dr. Shantanet Hara here with me. Welcome, Shantanet. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Kelly. You heard the intro to Meeting This Moment, and you heard this list of, this carefully curated list of all these essentials that I thought of. And then you said, uh, you know what? We need to add equity. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's why I ask awesome people to do this, because I just appreciate the fact that you did a write-in for equity. <laughs> it's perfect. So why did you choose that? Well, you know, it's so, so important to me. And I, I think to give like a little bit of context to kind of set the stage for why equity is important, um, I'm a, a mixed race black woman whose father um, is black and Filipino and my mother is black and Eskimo. My father was a Navy officer. So all I remember is being um, a military family. My younger brother and I would go to 13 schools before we graduated from high school. And with that, I was a black student in a lot of classrooms across the United States. And I don't have fond memories of most of them. 99% of the time I felt alone. I felt like I was trying really hard to fit in, um, not understanding the teaching. And there were no adults or teachers who really cared to take notice. I would say I was treated badly by a few and lukewarm by most. What I do remember, and it would be my first and only teacher, Mrs. Hall, my first grade teacher, um, would be the only teacher who I felt love from and who actually is the one who taught me how to read. And she passed about four years ago, and I still kept in touch with her. Um, I became an educator 23 years ago, I think, in many ways to redeem that inner child by holding students in the highest regard and becoming radically kid-centered. Um, I, I feel like doing equity work allows me to go deeper into that and allows me to make schools equitable and safe and developing and joyous for every student because I, I certainly did not feel that um, growing up. Can I just stop you for one second and say to you, Shantanet, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. To hear that. <laughs> I mean, that's not the way this should work. Right, um, right. So I just I just appreciate you sharing that story because you have the experience of having had one teacher that you felt like knew you. And, yes. you know, I just, gosh, yeah. As a teacher, I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> to, to have ever had one of my students feel that way. Right, right. And I think what happens is, we were good students. And so I think a lot of times people assume that because you're a great student, equity isn't an issue for you. Obviously, you're getting treated great because you're a good student. You're getting good grades. You're active in school. But I think what's often missing when you're thinking about equity is you're thinking of the outcome and you're thinking of the experience. And so if you have a student that's really successful it doesn't mean that that student isn't experiencing racism on the way to that awesome outcome, right? Or experiencing homophobia or experiencing ableism. You know, there's all these isms that 
you can still experience and still have this great outcome. So I think it's really important that we're not just looking out, looking at the success. Well, these kids are successful, so it's all done, right? But we're also looking at what is the experience on the way to that success, right? Because we were successful, but the experience was, you know, was horrifying, you know, sometimes. Um, so I think it's really important to talk about what equity is, right? Yeah. And I think I've spent a lot of time studying equity and it can mean a lot of different things. So for instance, if I think that equity is about celebrating diversity and you think equity is about eliminating racism, then when we're in the room talking about equity, we're talking past each other. We're, we're not we're not talking about the same thing. And so I think often in schools, equity looks like celebrating diversity. It looks like your multiculturalism. It looks like everyone comes in and they share, you know, a food that, you know, is from their culture. That's not equity. That's not equity. Equity is two things. It's a commitment to act and it's a way of being. And so when I talk about like a commitment to action, it's changing policies that are inequitable. It's changing biased practices. It's shifting ideologies to be more equitable. And that's the hardest thing is really sh making that shift on how people think and, and, you know, kind of define equity. And then it's a way of being, a state of being free of bias and discrimination and identity predictable outcomes and experiences. So that's kind of how, that's the lens that I use when I'm thinking about, about equity, right? right? And really how we're addressing the experience, not just the outcome. Well, I think it's interesting, Shantanet, that you talk about it being a way of being, because I think we often think about what was the experience that was created? In yeah. fact, what was the feeling? So I feel like it's an atmosphere. So it's an atmosphere you know, when you commit to a way of being and you commit to creating an atmosphere of equity or an equitable, you know, experience for children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Right. And I think in order to make that atmosphere happen, it takes um, an awareness and it takes conscientious actions to make happen. That doesn't just happen. You know, it happens because there's some real thought around that. Um and, you know, sadly to say, I don't think enough educators take time to really think about the space in which they are inviting kids into, right? Because that space is, you know, what they hear, the language that, you know, teachers use. And I think it's very easy for us to kind of use very deficit-based language, what you can't do, what you should do, what could have happened instead of what you are doing well, you know, there, there's so much in language and how we say things and how we frame things. Um, but I think the ideology is based on, you know, how, what is that one saying? It says like, you know, how I think is how I become, right? So, you know, if in my mind, I already have an image and a mindset of what I expect of you, then I'm going to act in accordance to that. Right. Yeah. And so I think my job as a site leader is to give us time to examine our thoughts and to examine our belief systems when we go into a classroom and to examine the language that we're using when we're having conversation. 
I think another part of the equity thing is not only to have the knowledge and skill around equity, but another huge piece is to have the will to interrupt patterns that do not serve kids. And to have that will takes courage and it takes voice. And in one moment, you might have the will to do it. And in another moment, you might not. And a part of why I went into becoming, because I was in the classroom for 19 years before I became a, um, a school principal, was I really wanted to push myself outside of my comfort. I was super comfortable in the classroom. And you're, you know, you're, the, you're the king and queen of your space, right? No one's challenging that, right? But what I noticed was I had a classroom full of really happy kids because it was a space that was created by them. I wanted to know what is it that you loved and that was going to be reflected on my walls. You know, I wanted to know your family. I wanted to know where you came from. I wanted to know everything there was about you so that when you looked around the room, you saw yourself. That generated a happiness. You know, kids wanted to be in that space. And I wanted to, I want, I said, you know what? I want to, I want to spread joy. Every kid should feel this way. Every family should feel this way, yeah. you know? The other word that comes to my mind is agency. You were giving your students agency. Absolutely, absolutely. And I taught transitional kindergarten. You know, they were ready to, to be a change agent, even at four yeah. and five, you know? All you have to do is give them access to space and time, you know, and ask them questions. Um, and they're ready to, to, to take the rein. And so um, I really wanted more kids to have opportunities to really be the ones that are in charge. Like you're saying, be the change agents in their classrooms. Um, I've taught everything from third grade bilingual ed to eighth grade. And then what happened was um, I've had the chance over the last 10 years as an administrator to sometimes step in to teach and I got to teach kindergarten and first grade. And those were always the scary grades to me because I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to do this with these five-year-olds. And what I found is it's their normal state of being to be able to handle those things. And if we just give them the opportunity, they'll take it. I mean, don't you feel like it's just the, the natural mindset of a child to be able to just absolutely 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 and i think in so many ways we underestimate our kids and what they're capable of understanding yeah what they already know because they come to this world being knowers um and we i think in so many ways adults strip them of a lot of their power for me, I think they're closest being, you know, little, they're closest to the source, whatever you want to call that source. Right. Um, and so they come with like such magic. Right. And I almost felt like it's such an honor to be around young people and to allow that to be contagious, allow, like allow that to heal you as a teacher, as an educator, to surround yourself with that, pure, innocent energy is a gift. Shantanet, I have to tell you, 
Um, this is the first year in 18 years that I've not spent the vast majority of my life in a, in an elementary school. <laughs> How does that feel? <laughs> oh, it hurts. I'm telling you, cause what you just said is like, Oh, I'm so jealous. I missed that energy. It was really hard. And I'll tell you the only thing that's, well, one of the things that's keeping me afloat is basically getting that energy from my children. So I spend a lot more time with them right now. And so, you know, I still get that. <laughs> and you know, the beautiful thing is that you can still feel it in this whole pandemic, you know, it's the adults that have heavy hearts. It's yeah. the kids that are resilient, like give me the mask and let me continue on, you know, and they, they still generate that, that energy and that power and that resilience. And we have so much to learn from our, from our children, you know, just watching them and allowing them to be your teacher. Um, I find, you know, even being in the space of being an educator, it's such a, a philosophical, almost spiritual, soulful positionality because they're spiritual beings, you know, and, and I think it's again, a mindset, right? Cause I know oftentimes on your podcast, you talk about like a growth mindset and yes, yes. Growth mindset. Um, but it's also the mindset of like the being, honored to be in the space of these kids you know you are not going to go anywhere else in the world and feel that except with children right they're going to give you the truth they're going to tell you what's working and what's not working I mean really when I have a staff meeting and we're trying to brainstorm things I talk to kids first and I bring that data to the to the teachers because we're not going to see it from their lens you know, because you are going to find your answers within them. Our adult minds don't think, <laughs> you know, don't think in that kind of pure raw, rawness um, as well as kids. And it often reminds us of where we need to get back to um, is having those conversations with our children. And that brings me to a question because I think about um, this podcast and kind of like know your audience and I really um, want to be deliberate about my audience being anybody who wants to listen. So, and I mean, you and I are early childhood or elementary educators. So my question for you is, how does everything we've just talked about and the way you framed this equity piece, giving students uh, a voice and agency, allowing you know them to be them, how does that translate to adults? I mean, because here's the deal. We're, we are in a moment in history, right? So... Today, Chantanet, we, we are waiting to find out the results of this historic election. We have COVID-19 is just ever present in our lives. I mean, we've got 120, I was looking, 123,000 cases of COVID today in the United States. Um, and I'm not even saying that to be negative. I'm just saying that that's the reality. So how do we translate all that magic that you basically just bottled for me in childhood. Like, what is your advice to the adults listening to this, you know, that don't have the privilege of being in a space with all these children and that beautiful energy every day? Right, right. You know, that that is, um, you know, that's the question. And I'm going to go back again to my teachers who are the children one of the things that we're teaching them is about self-awareness, right? Everything starts with the self first. 
everything starts with the self first. And I think with all of the civil turmoil that we're in, the, the health pandemic, when it all comes down to it, it comes down to you, right? And what are you going to do? I find this whole moment has given me pause to do a lot of self-reflection. And I think what's hard is that it has created a lot of silence. It's created a lot of space to think, but I think it's such an opportunity to not get distracted by all the things that are happening around us and to get centered within yourself. One of the oldest and most beautiful sayings that every time I see it, I will either purchase it, I have written it, it's in my notebook, and it is two words, know thyself. Know thyself. That was written on every pyramid in Egypt. When you went through a doorway above it, know thyself. Why was that everywhere? Why was that everywhere? I think when you strip away everything, when you put politics aside, when you put health pandemic aside, when you put trying to be a good parent aside, trying to find the right job aside, trying to find the perfect mate aside, it comes down to you knowing you. And so my answer is to take the time to understand who you are. All of that reflection, again, we talk about like outcome and experience. The experience becomes the outcome, right? So you've got to experience the reflection. You've got to experience. I mean, like you were talking about, I saw one of your intro, you were talking about how much you love yoga. I love yoga too. But a huge piece of me being able to do this work is meditation. That's another source of energy for me. So if it's not kids, it's my meditation. Getting quiet, and there's so many different ways, and that's another thing I'm learning, so many different ways to meditate. So there are times where I meditate and it's quiet, and there's other times where I meditate to music because you get lost in it. You can visualize the words. You can feel that's healing, you know? And so I take that and I bring that into a staff meeting, and we'll start our staff meeting with music right? I take that into my home and we'll listen to, you know, Stevie Wonder as we're cooking, right? It changes all of this nonsense that's happening right now. But again, it goes back to actively doing it. It's not going to do it on its own, right? There's got to be, you know, some effort. You know, if I were being completely honest with you, I've given myself so many excuses not to find that stillness and that silence. Mm. Because I feel like I better look at the news. And uh, so I'm just owning the fact that I'm having a really hard time finding that silence right now and that stillness. Yeah, And I have to say, Kelly, you are so right on. Uh, again, I go, I love phrases. So it's kind of like another phrase I love is fake it till you make it. Yeah. I feel the same way you do, right? Those moments when I take 20 minutes to meditate, I should be doing something else. I should be knowing what's going on on Twitter, <laughs> You know, I should be knowing what are people posting on Facebook. But what I find is every time I take that time, even when I don't want to take it and I just push through and know, okay, 20 minutes, I'm not going to lose too much of, you know, a current event, right? I'm not going to lose the timeline. 20 minutes, I got it. I can do 20 minutes. 
that 20 minutes allows me to be able to handle what I'm about to find out. Yeah. Right? And so it's medicine, you know, it's really, it allows you to be able to handle the health pandemic, the civil unrest, the systemic racism. It doesn't make you go away, but it allows you to be able to understand it without that initial kind of like response, that reaction, that emotional like disturbance. It allows you to be able to control that. And I need that because if I don't, then I will react to everything. And so for me to control the chaos, the answer is the meditation. Just to frame this a little, um, I have a child that goes to your school or the school where you're the principal, and um, you and I have been talking about, um, you know, how important it is to create this kind of um, way of being around uh, some of these important essentials like equity. One of my essentials has been flexibility. That has been my mantra. Oh, my gosh. As a dad, that is just what I'm having to do. And I just want to praise you and your school district. I mean, flexibility has been so key and you guys are just nailing it with flexibility. Kudos to you. And I think kudos to a lot of schools and districts out there that are just having to be flexible because educators are not inherently flexible. I mean, I I hope I don't make a lot of educators mad by saying that, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would say we're, you know, the flexibility has um, presented itself as the only option. You know, I think when it was an option, we might kind of turn away from that. But um, I think that's one of the silver linings with all of this is that it has forced us to discover ways in which we are flexible at any other time, I think we would have never known, you know, and it has allowed us to expand our capacity of how we define education, how students can learn, how we can teach. And I can only believe that we're going to take elements of that with us when, and if we go back to kind of a, a version of the way things were, but I have to tell you, you know, one of the phrases that I do hate, and I've talked about all the phrases that I love, one of the phrases I hate is we've always done it that way because it's such a, it, it's, it's such a detour from what could be. It's like a way of shutting down a conversation. And this whole kind of school shutdown has made that phrase null and void. We can't say that. We can't say, well, this is how we've always done it. And it's okay to not be able to use that phrase. It's okay to not get it right. It's okay to be flexible and try, you know, new ways of doing things to see that it didn't work. It's okay. I think it goes hand in hand with being vulnerable. And we don't like vulnerability, you know. And we're all vulnerable now. I mean, this has just kind of level the playing field in some regards in regards to equity it's made us even further apart but in terms of vulnerability and flexibility it's kind of we're all in this together truly you know we're all trying to day by day moment by moment um changing and thinking about different ways you know to move forward in honor of our kids well 
in my mind, I'm thinking about the difference between equity and equality. Do you think it's, do you think it's dangerous for me to say as a person who comes, I mean, let's be honest, I, I come from a place of a lot of privilege and is it even okay for me to say, well, we're all suffering this together. This is, this is something, this is something that should unite us, not divide us. We're all people going through this and it just feels like it's falling flat for me right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a dangerous thing to say, but I can't quite put my finger on why my gut says that it's just not exactly there. Right. Right. Well, you know, and I think that goes back to what you're saying about like, um, equity and inequality, because, you know, I think, I, I know equity is about, you know, you're kind of giving people what they need, right. In order for them to, to move forward. Equality is giving everybody the same thing, right? So for instance, equality says this, equality says, you know what? All kids suffer. All kids have barriers. Um, so why are we treating this one particular group any different? That's what equality says. Right. Equity answers it and says this, yes, all kids are suffering. All kids do have barriers, but not all kids suffer from ableism, discrimination, racism, homophobia. That's where equity comes in. So it's not to take away anything that everyone is, you know, going through, but it's to say that some folks are holding way more than everybody else. What we're saying is that we're all suffering, but some people are suffering a whole hell of a lot more. And what are we going to do about that? Right. How do we equal that playing field? How do we take that extra stuff off? Right. And that's where it gets a little funny because now you're talking about um, distribution of material and non-material access and opportunity. So every t anytime you talk about redistribution, that gets a little tricky, right? Because you're trying to level outcome and experience um, differences, right? Which means we are going to have to do some things differently. We are going to have to do that. But what does that look like? Um, and it's, it's tough. Um, I'll give an example really quick. One of the schools that I worked with a while back we had a lot of students who were, um, their first language was not English, right? So they were masters of their own language. So, and, and so with that, a lot of their parents were working parents and they didn't have a lot of support at home. So what we said was on Saturdays, we want to open up the school and allow those kids access to technology. We have staff on here that's going to support them. Well, that got out. And students from more privileged backgrounds said, wait a minute, we want access too. We want our kids, you know, having a little extra. So what happened there was we tried to redistribute access to those who historically have not been given access. It no longer becomes a redistribution. Again, those that are doing well continue to do well, right? And so it's a really sticky place of how do you re redistribute that access and, and have people understand why that's happening, why we were giving it to these particular students, you know? Um, 
and it, you know, we were also on a grant. So anytime you're on a grant, you've got limited funds. <laughs> like that's going to run out at some point. And really that all should have been focused on that vulnerable population. And it wasn't. So Shantanette, what's the lesson then? I mean, the lesson there is that we need to educate people about equity and inequality. Right. And I think when people understand that and they understand that it's not taking away from, but giving, you know, a particular group that has historically been marginalized support, sometimes that helps. Sometimes it helps. But when I think you put an initiative forward without language around or context around why it's happening, it just looks like I'm missing out and I want in. Right. And so I think there just has to be a lot of education, a lot of dialogue around everything that we've talked about. But Kelly, this conversation that you and I have is missing in education circles. We don't have conversations like this. And I wish that we did. I wish that we had more time to to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think, Shantanet, that in a lot of ways, so many problems stem from a communication issue. Right. Um, Yeah. And so it's like, how do we make the case that this needs to be redistributed to these folks that, you know, historically have been underprivileged, have not been receiving this? But wouldn't you even say that you have to take it a step further back to be people have to be willing to even accept those ideas as reality? Right. Right. So then that takes me to this idea of um, organizational change theory, right? And it talks about how um, organizations, many of their leaders think that you need the majority of your organization or your staff to be with you when you're trying to make a change. But what research is showing is that you have, whenever you're putting forth a a, a new change initiative, you have about 20% of your folks that are ready for the change. They're they're thirsty for it. Um, Let's do it. You have 20% that are resistant. No matter what you say, you're not going to change their mind. (laughs) You know, they are are where they they are. And then you have 60% that are the wave riders. So whenever you're trying to make a change, you're going at the pace of the 20% that are ready to move, right? And so that's, that's something that I have to remind myself of is that I cannot go at the pace of those that aren't interested, that don't care, that are most resistant. I am focused on that 20% that are ready to move. They were ready to move yesterday. That's who I'm focused on. And then hopefully that 60%, those wave riders will come along. And then the 20% is the 20% of resistors, you know? My grandfather used to always say, a message is not meant for everyone, right? So when you give a message, it's not supposed to hit everybody's heart, right? And you can't think of yourself as a failure because you didn't get everybody on the boat with you. Those that are ready to hear are ready to hear. Your message is meant for a certain few and be okay with that. And so that's what I've learned um, in many circles of just my life is that I'm not talking to everyone and I'm okay with that. You know, I didn't understand that early on, but I'm okay with that. And I just need a few people. It's only gonna be a few people that are gonna make the change that that's gonna eventually make the impact that we need, you know? Yeah. It only takes a few of us. Yeah, those early adopters. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, my hope, Shantanette, is that our audience are those folks that if you have kind of a proclivity to a podcast called Meeting This Moment, <laughs> yes. and you know, you're kind of into some of those things, that I'm hoping that we have some nodding heads and some people that maybe got a couple little goosebumps like I did when you were talking about that. So, gosh, this was just a really enjoyable conversation. I just appreciate you bringing just your wisdom and your perspective to this. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much. What an I'm, honor. I'm, I'm wrapping us up and I'm like, wait, I don't have to wrap us up. We have 12 <laughs> minutes to keep talking, Jeanette. But is there anything do you feel like we've missed in talking about this? I guess when I'm thinking about just like ways in which to make a change happen, whether that is in your classroom in your line of work, whatever work that may be, you know, within your home that, you know, there is somewhat of a cycle, you know, that there needs to be, there needs to be a plan. Like, what is it that you want to do? Right. And, and I think that kind of goes to like this idea of, um, sort of this continuous improvement process, right? Our life should be a continuous improvement process, right? So we're always taking inventory of where we currently are, and where we want to be. And then our work is that gap analysis. That would be the the kind of nugget that I want to end on is that we're challenging ourselves to define what our ideal state is, whether that's in our family and our work within ourselves and how do we get there? Because our world is depending on us to to close that gap. You know. I think I hear you saying, Shantanet, that if you live each day with that goal of continuous improvement in mind, just as a kind of a guiding principle, you'll come and you'll go, you'll have wins and losses, but it's, it's the path that you're taking toward that. Absolutely. I, I think about, um, so my wife is in biotech and she recently started in a new position at this company that is uh, Japanese. And she came home talking about this whole new culture that she has been uh, opened up to, which I think is just a gift in kind of just uh, business terms and cultural terms. Um, And it's a company that's just really seeped in a lot of tradition, but a lot of really solid guiding principles. And one of them is Kaizen. And she came home talking about Kaizen. And I said, okay, you've got to tell me about this. This is right up my alley. So um, this term Kaizen means change for the better. And it's a process of continuous improvement. And I thought, oh, Kaizen. Wow. Yeah. So I just wanted to give you that term in case you hadn't heard it. Maybe you had. I have not heard it. I have not heard it. And it's so funny that you say, you talk about Japan. Um, A couple summers ago, my girls and I spent um, two months in Japan being around, you know, different ways of loving, different ways of caring, different ways of being a child. um, You see how everything connects. You know, I think that's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing that we're all connected. Yes. and, And we're all improving and we're all doing our own work on our own path, but we got to do the work. Yeah. Got to do the work.
Yeah. I agree. It's important work and it's yeah. fun work. If you it's check, fun work. It doesn't even have to be work. Right. <laughs> um, so I have to tell you, Shantanette, this uh, was exactly the medicine I needed for my soul for today. Thank you. My deepest gratitude for you taking this time to, to have this conversation. Thank you, Kelly. My pleasure. And anytime I'd love to chat more. So thank you. Well, thanks so much for listening to Meeting This Moment podcast, episode two. If you like what you heard, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review my show. And you can listen to it directly on www.engageandeducate.com. Or you can go to TuneIn or Stitcher to find it as well. Until next time, know thyself and be well.